Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. So 7679 are the atomic numbers for gold, uh, platinum and gold respectively and our jewellery is only made of these two elements. There is nothing else. So we, are, we have produced a range of jewellery made of the purest platinum, 99.9% platinum and 24 karat gold. We sort of stumbled on this concept of creating wearable bullion, right? This is, you know, the opportunity to invest into a precious metal, but actually enjoy that, that investment rather than it being an invisible purchase that you would never really uh, get to experience, right? Which is what stocks and shares normally are for people. You put money into something, sit back, maybe it goes up, maybe it goes down, maybe you can you can see a return with this you know you are buying metal as close to the price of the real price of gold or platinum as, as you possibly can so. hey guys and welcome back to Amelia Mind today I am super excited to introduce you all to Satch Kukalia CEO and co-founder of 7879 so hi Satch how are you very well lovely to see you how are you Lovely to see you too. I am good. I'm really excited we're finally doing this. I feel like we've been talking about it for so long and here we are. I know and I'm grateful for you having me on so thank you. Um, it has been a while so looking forward. I'm super 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 excited to talk to you and I want to talk to you a little bit about your background. I know everybody knows you for starting Secret Sales but we're going to focus on your new brand today. But for people who don't really know a bit about you, just tell us a bit of an introduction. Yeah, sure. So I co-founded Secret Sales uh, at the tender age of 22 uh, with my brother Nish, uh, who is older, wiser, smarter. Um, <laughs> uh, some people say better looking. Uh, but, you know, we, we, were, we were super young, started a business, didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. Um, you know, through making a, a lot of mistakes uh, and, you know, being nimble enough and humble enough to, to learn from those mistakes. We scaled to a point over a period of 10 years to 47 million in sales. And then we sold that company uh, to private equity. Um, and then a year later, through a number of reasons, but mainly the fact that the PE company destroyed the value that we had spent so long creating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was quite emotional for me. So I bought the company back, 
sold it again the second time a year after that point. So was fully out of secret sales in May 2019, having started it in 2007. Um, and, uh, and then since then, I've been advising a bunch of businesses all in the sort of direct to consumer space, um, you know, and in digital, because that's sort of my forte. Um, I'm a chairman of a disruptive marketplace focusing on sustainability within furniture. You know, I'm really quite focused now on, uh, you know, what that means and, and what, what we can do as retailers uh, to try and save the planet and uh, do our job. And, and, you know, I feel it's our duty uh, to do whatever we can and, you know, mm -hmm. where possible to try and, uh, you know, help the earth, because I think it's in a really bad place right now. In fact, I think it's in a worse place than humans thought it would be at this point in time. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then 7879 was born at the height of COVID. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that, but it was a really interesting process for me to get to that point. And um, yeah, and we've just gone live. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about what the future holds. So why did you start 7879? First of all, why the name? So 7879 are the atomic numbers for gold, uh, platinum and gold, respectively. And our jewellery is only made of these two elements. There is nothing else. So we, are, we have produced a range of jewellery made of the purest platinum, 99.9% .9 platinum and 24 karat gold. So to put things into perspective, you know, the big brands, without naming who they are, will use 18 karat gold and probably 900 platinum, sometimes 850, sometimes 950. But the point is, uh, with 18 karat gold, 25% of your jewellery is impure. It's, it's uh, an alloy that is not actually of any value. And the same for, you know, for platinum, if you were buying 900 platinum, 10% of that would be uh, an impurity. We have launched, uh, you know, the first brand to really uh, sort of exploit the opportunity that exists within 24 karat and 99.9. .9. And the reason why it sort of came about was in, at the height of COVID, Gold was trading at its highest point, right? And the reason why it trades at its highest point is when, the, when, when things go bad, right? People invest in, in precious metal because it is, it's a safe haven commodity. It is a very, uh, I mean, humans have been trading gold for thousands of years, right? It was the first currency that ever existed. And what's happened during, you know, Brexit destroyed, you know, your or people's ability to, to yield on property, at least in the same way as they did prior. You know, COVID destroyed everything from stocks and shares. People started putting money into crypto, but then lost the money, a lot of money on crypto because most people that were putting money in were putting in putting money in on the up. And as soon as the mums and dads start putting money into crypto, you need to pull your money out because that's when it's going to pop. And that's what happened, right? Uh, but yet, when you look at gold at the height of a global pandemic, it was trading at its highest point. And, you know, that sort of led me to think about what, what we could do right with gold and with other like precious metals and we sort of stumbled on this concept of creating wearable bullion right this is you know the opportunity to invest into a precious metal but actually enjoy that that investment rather than it being yeah. an invisible purchase that you would never really uh get to experience right which is what stocks and shares normally are for people you put money into something sit back, maybe it goes up, maybe it goes down, maybe you can, you can see a return. With this, 
you know, you are buying metal as close to the price of the real price of gold or platinum as, as you possibly can, right? Without mentioning who they are. You could, one begins with T, one begins with C. Um, what do you think the markup is on the cost of metal? I mean, have a guess. 80%. Okay, so it is on average between 900 and 1,000% markup uh, on the cost oh, of metal. Oh my God. So, and I didn't know that. Right. I, I genuinely I've been working in the fashion industry for 13 years. I, be, I worked with a number of jewelry brands. We were selling their stock at secret sales. We did for and we, we, we sold, you know, in volume, mm -hmm. uh, you know, did a lot of revenue with these businesses. And yet I had no idea how much margin they had on top of the metal. Wow. So where they're charging between 900 and 1000 percent, we're charging cost of metal plus 30 wow. percent. So as a customer, you are buying really as close as you're going to get to the real spot price uh, of metal. And even if you wanted to buy gold today, you would be buying at spot plus 10%. And the spot price for anyone that doesn't understand is basically the price of gold based on the trading market, based on how, because gold is, is, is a traded commodity. Right. So we are, we are spot plus 30. You can, you'll receive a beautiful either 20, so this is 24k this is one of mine right and then and so is this and, and i'll show you some bits it's all available on site um but you can you can buy a ring or whatever it may be uh and you will have access to a portfolio which essentially sits within your my account section so your order history becomes a portfolio and you can then trade um uh, my, my laptop's about to run out you can then trade um that jewelry based on uh based on the real-time uh, performance of that metal. So let's, and, and by the way, the prices on my site are changing every two seconds or every three seconds based, and it's, again, it's driven by the real, the real stock market. Um, so, you know, over a period of time, you might find that your precious metal value has gone up, which is what usually happens. And uh, at any point in time, you can decide to sell it back to me and you can make a profit on that. Wow. Um, so, so the, yeah, so you, so you can buy a ring, enjoy the ring, sell it back to me in a year's time, actually make money on the value of the metal and you can trade up, get your cash out, do whatever you want. But the point is, is that, that you know, you, you don't need to now just hoard your jewelry mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, not that people, there's a problem with that, but, you know, there's never liquidity, right? And I think just to add, before I go on and on and on and, I let, uh, and then you can ask some more questions, <laughs> but you know, just to add, is that... Um, when I buy an expensive watch, right, mm -hmm. the first thing I think about is how much can I sell this watch for? 100%. And that's genuinely the first thing that goes through my head because I'm not going to buy a watch that, that costs more than £10,000 unless I know I can sell it for £10,000 or more, right? Yeah. And there are a bunch of watches that actually, you know, because of the price value. Whereas my understanding, and I speak very holistically, this is obviously there are going to be some people that don't behave this way but mm -hmm. you know jewelry is a very emotional purchase right you see a ring and you're like oh wow i really like that you mm -hmm. like what how it's going to look on you you like the fact that it's aspirational so by wearing a brand from a luxury you know a, a product from a luxury brand you feel yourself luxury you feel like you know i'm look at me right mm -hmm. no one thinks about selling that product no. and if you do think about selling it the, the value is in the brand it's not in the intrinsic value of, of the metal right so what I'm trying to create is, yes, we want to create value within the brand and, and that integrity and that equity of brand will, will develop over time. But regardless of that brand value, our products have underlying intrinsic value forever, 
right? But it doesn't matter. You can hold on to it for 10 years. This is the purest form of gold, and gold will always have a very strong value. Indians have been investing in, in gold for, for thousands of years, hundreds of years, right? Whereby, you know, we're taught, put your money in gold because it's safe. Yeah. The Chinese put their money in platinum. The Japanese put their money in platinum. Actually, the Chinese put their money in gold as well. But the thing is, the Western world doesn't do that. The Western world has been educated into buying into big brands, right? Not, and, and, then, and then maybe, you know, thinking that there's value to be had by, by investing in these brands, when really there isn't, right? You, like you, you lose a huge chunk of value overnight. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I'm trying to do with 7879 is disrupt how people shop jewellery and educate customers into, into knowing that there is actually a platform and a, and a location where you can buy jewellery that has intrinsic value, that is going to increase in value. And you can, you know, should... You know, let's say you get divorced and, and the husband wants to, you know, get rid of his band. He can sell it back to me and actually make a profit on that engagement ring. Right? Let's, God forbid, you get divorced, right? But the point is, you understand my point. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of, I mean, that in itself should be a marketing angle. I reckon I I'm going to have should. to push that forward a bit. But, I think you should. But yeah, that, that, that's sort of what it is in a nutshell. What I really love about what you're saying is that I think it's really aligning to what you were telling me earlier in terms of being more sustainable. And it's not just a statement you said, you're actually proving that we're setting up a brand like this so that people aren't wasting their jewelry at a point where, like you said, something goes wrong or, you know, you kind of fall out of love with that certain piece. You can sell it back and it's not wasted. It's not sitting in your cupboard. It's not ruined, I guess. And I think that's what's really powerful about this. I haven't ever heard of a brand like this that you can actually see the of your jewelry go up. I think it's super clever. Um, one thing I really love about you is I feel that you just do things that are a bit out of the ordinary. Like you said, you set up secret sales when you were 21, 22. Um, there wasn't really anything like that at the time either. We were the first flash sale to launch, flash sale business to launch at that time. So yeah, I mean, but you've got to try and break boundaries, right? You've got to try and do things differently. Right. Why do you do that? No, when, as the world evolves, as things happen, um, you know, COVID is a really good example of how how much disruption uh, a virus can make on uh, a species. Um, and with that comes disarray and, you know, a lot of, you know, unhappiness and, and upset, um, but also opportunity, right? And, and that's the thing that people don't really always see is because there's always so much darkness yes. that exists around certain things. But there, there can be a lot of light. Now the, now, the stuff that's coming through, you know, or why do I try to do things differently is because I sort of feel as though, you know, we as a species are nowhere near uh, the point where we know and are doing everything, right? There are things that we're just not, we haven't even thought about. And it's those things that we haven't thought about that I get quite excited by. Um, because... You know, I don't know if this is going to work, right? Because we're, we're, we're new to the game. We're doing something that doesn't exist in this part of the world. Um, you know, we are uh, essentially taking a huge leap of faith. And uh, with that said, I have done a lot of research. We've done a lot of testing. We're not entering this blindly. I've done, I've qualified, uh, you know, the reason why this business will work. We've tested with two, so what I did is I built two fake brands um, and built two fake websites on Squarespace. And then we started to actually drive traffic to these fake websites, 
using different messages and different and different imagery so that when the site does go live we know what what people are reacting to are they reacting to transparent pricing are they reacting to investment jewelry are they reacting to signing up to an, uh, a private members club or and, and actually something that came out of this was a lot of people are reacting quite strongly towards personalized jewelry right people want that. and so this data we have qualified why we think this business will work long before we started building it um, it's been a year and a half, so there was six months worth of market research. Then there was 12 months, you know, the build started in October, the process to, to really start running at this in October uh, 2020. Um, you know, co-founder joined, who is incredible uh, in terms of his experience and really grateful for him because he comes from a technical background. Um, and uh, I mean, his name is Ben. and very different to my brother right because my brother is also like a phenomenal experience working with my brother but and what was great about him was his strengths were very different to my strengths right uh with ben it's 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 down the same route of his strengths being different but his skills are very different to what my brothers were you know being as technically capable as ben is uh it makes it very very uh easy for 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 me um to deliver a very well executed site, right? Because I know what we want, and and he's a, he actually has a very high a level of standards, very similar to mine. So um, it's just nice to to work with someone uh, who is like technically sound because I'm I am I know what I know and I know how to run a business, um, but I definitely don't know how to code, right? And um, and the stuff that he's been able to to yes. do has been. Uh, I mean, you'll have to look at the site and tell me what you think, because that's all him and the team, right? But very grateful to everyone that's involved in the business. You know, we've got, you know, we've been hiring. Um, there's there's uh, three full-time employees, going to be four in January. There's two consultants, three consultants. Um, and, you know, we are, you know, looking to scale, right? So next three months is prove the concept. Uh, over Q4 and then next year yeah. dial up subject to how things mm -hmm. and how do you focus on so many different things so you've talked around you know sticking to your lane in terms of your strengths and having a co-founder there that actually focuses on one thing and you focus on another but you are focusing on different businesses at the moment and different things mm -hmm. and when running a business there are just so many things to cover especially in the beginning stages how do you manage that well, I mean, what's really important with any business interest you may have or, or anything that you decide to do is, um, and one thing I learned through Secret Sales is surrounding yourself with people who are just really, really smart, right? And, mm -hmm. um, and provided that they believe in what the vision is for the company, it means that you don't have to do everything yourself. And, you know, I, I've got family members, without mentioning who they are, um, who are amazing business people, but are very bad at delegating, right? And, right? and the problem with that is you can't build an empire on your own, right? And so you need to be able to recruit, you need to be able to find the support structure that allows you to be able to push the business forward. And more, most importantly, actually, you need to know your weaknesses, because if you know your weaknesses, you know the areas to which you're not good at, you can bring someone in to support you in those areas. And, that, and then, you know, you'll be able to focus on the stuff that you are good at, and actually it becomes less painful, right? And 
to be an entrepreneur, to be a CEO, to be anyone that runs a company, you, sh you, 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 you don't need to be the jack of all trades. You just need to be someone who's good at sort of, you know, leveraging your support network and the people around you. And so, you know, the stuff that I'm doing, like, for example, you know, uh, the stuff with, with Bambi and her music, um, mm -hmm. you know, she drives that, right? It's her business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she is responsible alongside with Shay and, and the other people involved in the business to do most of the work. I just, I, I you know, will have my say and, and give my input uh and occasionally uh you know write a check for something but actually it's um it, it, I, i'm doing it for them rather than doing it for myself you know and and so f you know for me it's my duty and i feel i'm at a stage in my life where i want to try and help people where i can um mm -hmm. i don't want to just um you know focus on number one and do things because of me i've you know i working from home and and what what the pandemic has done for me is it's it's changed my life in that I would commute to to my an office of some sort I would have back to back meetings all day and I would then come back and then I would you know and I would in 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 the day find some time to go to the gym I'm now working from home every day right I'm not commuting anywhere and I'm enjoying the time that life has given me back now it doesn't mean that I'm working less. Actually, I'm working more, right? I'm working probably 13 to 14 hour days. My laptop is open at 7 a.m. and it doesn't close until probably like past 10, 11 o'clock at night, right? And, and I'm eating and working and everything is on at the same time, but I'm just doing more. Um, and I feel less pressurized as a result. I think, I think the commuting for me was a bit of a challenge and um, it wasn't a challenge, sorry, I take that back. It was disruptive, it was disruptive, right? When I had to wake up, commute 45 minutes somewhere and then let's say I left work at 7 p.m and I took 45 minutes back home that 45 minutes yeah. back home I'd get back home and I'd be like oh god I, I just don't want to work right now I'm tired yeah. whereas because I'm not commuting I'm, I'm just I'm just able to continue driving through till whatever time it is and um I feel good like we haven't you know what like everyone's taking loads of holidays I I haven't had a holiday for over a since March last year, and I have, and I have no, I have no desire to right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited mm -hmm. about the businesses that we're involved in. Um, I'm, in, I'm excited by, you know, seventy eight, seventy nine, particularly about what that might lead to, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't feel burnt out. I feel good, and I feel excited about the future. And yeah. succeed or fail, it's less the point, you know. Like, I feel strongly about this, and I think it will work. But if it doesn't, you know, the real uh, skills in life tend to come from failures, right? So, Right. But how do you have that kind of positive attitude of almost like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work? Because I think a lot of people, when they want to start a business, they're really excited at first. They do loads. And I want to touch on where you said you're not burnt out as well. They get burnt out and then they just think like, I failed. And now I can't start again. They lose their confidence. How do you keep up that confidence? Yeah. And you've already got that now by saying, if it fails, it fails. How, how, how do you get that? I mean, look, firstly, I don't think it's going to fail, right? But I, I feel really strongly about it. And, and, I, and, I, and we've done all of the, 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 the market research and, and sort of diving into the data to, to know why mm -hmm. it will work, why it should work. The reason why things might fail is because of execution, right? And there are certain things outside of your control that you just don't have a have a handle on right so for example things like covid happening things like brexit happening 
you know, the amount of businesses that were destroyed as a result of these sort of macro influences. Um, you, you, and, and the thing is, you can, I, I mean, you know, we had a, Brexit really messed with secret sales when I was in the final stages of selling that business. And I know firsthand the damage that it did. And I know firsthand um, the impact it had on me, right? And it made me a really horrible person. And I was not sleeping and I was irritable and short fused. Certain things you can't control, right? And, you know, having anxiety and, and taking on stress for the sake of taking on stress doesn't change the fact that things are the way they are. Uh, you know, you need to be, I'm positive because I'm just positive, right? I don't like, I don't believe in negativity. And I also don't believe in things can't, like not being able to happen, right? So like, you know, life is a beautiful thing in that if you want to do something, you can just go and do it. You know, like I'm DJing in a club at the moment, right? Like my parents think I'm a fool, but I enjoy it. And, you know, it's a bit of fun for me, um, you know, and... You're good as well. Okay. Well, but you know, there's loads of things. The thing is, is that I, I sort of just enjoy, you know, I'm doing everything that life offers or allows me to do within reason. And that probably upsets certain people, right? They probably see me and be like, well, why is he doing that? Um, but I, I, don't, I don't really care about, um, you know, the thoughts of others. What I do care about is how it makes me feel. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying, you know, all of the things that life has on on display and and if and if i can do something i'm going to want to try and do it so when it comes to business and when it comes to failure um mm -hmm. i think that you need to know that then nothing in this world is guaranteed right it just isn't right. it just isn't right like you know i'm not guaranteed to have my health forever i'm not guaranteed to make the billion pounds that i want to make right i'm not guaranteed uh, anything in life. If I want it, I'm going to have to try and get it. And if I don't get it, you're going to have to accept that there is going to have to be something else. And that's sort of my general approach to things. I'm also a big believer in just, you know, being, if you're, if you're positive about things, positive things will happen, you know, mm -hmm. and if, if you're negative and you feel you, you, and if you want to be negative, then your life will be really sad, right? And you will not be able to to actually move forward or to do things or to problem solve, like really simple tasks will become big problems, right? You'll end up having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and various other bits. And, and the way to deal with life, generally speaking, is just like, take a moment, think about it for a second, and then, and then go for it, right? Um, not to be like, you know, which is what some people have, they start panicking and they start stuttering and then they start wanting to like, you know, they just, like everything is a problem and, and, and it's just not, Life can be great. I agree. I think if you are negative, you'll just notice negative things. We all have bad things that are going on. We all have good things that we can be grateful for. And I think that is really powerful is to actually just appreciate what you do have. And I do that every morning. I have my performance planner and in there I have to write down five things, which I'm grateful for, which some days I'm like, oh my God, five things every day, like a new thing every day is really hard. But it actually really grounds me and makes me feel really happy. It makes me notice the small things in life that make me feel happy and I think it's so important to do that because at the moment like you said through COVID through loads of like there's a lot more illnesses now there is a lot more negative news even if you turn on the news you turn on Instagram there's something bad that's happening and you can focus your energy on that or you can focus it on within yourself one thing that I've spoken about in some of the other sort of you know I've done a bunch of podcasts and various you know keynotes and stuff and, and one thing that tends to always get touched on is this sort of um 
this concept of manifestation, right? Which is, if you want something enough in life and you really think about what it is that you want and you dream about it and you write it down and you, you know, constantly think about it, it will happen. It just does. Like the universe, it has a very magical way of, of creating opportunities for people that want opportunities to exist, right? For bringing, uh, you know, those, those, those dreams to that person, provided that they want it enough. And that's why, you know, I am, I pray every night before I go to bed in a similar way to you wake up every morning and you, you write down on a piece of paper, the things that you want or that you're, that you're grateful for. It's a very similar thing in that, you know, when I pray, I am manifesting what I need to achieve in life and what I want to achieve. And I, you know, I say a few things that I've been taught to say, but the fundamentals of that process is for me to really start like to think and to then fall asleep and to allow my subconscious. And I'm a big believer in the power of your subconscious and to letting that just do its work. Right. And by the way, this is not just about making money, right? Like, you know, I was praying to meet someone like Bambi long before Mm -hmm. I met her. Right. And that's the type of thing that, um, that I, that I genuinely think manifestation is good for is like anything that you want in life, whether it be, you know, to find a partner, to make money, to start a business, to, you know, I mean, obviously you can manifest winning the lottery. That might not happen, right? It's a slightly different situation, but you should, maybe, maybe you could, right? But the point I'm trying to make is that there is, a, there is power in using your subconscious, right? And visualizing what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just letting the world take its place, right? It will happen and it will work. And, you know, you will get what you want. You just need to be really, really positive. And uh, the key is to never let yourself be negative about stuff. I mean, obviously people are, and I am, but like, I'm very quick to remedy that. I love that you say that because I, I know where you grow up and it's, uh, mm. I, I live in the same kind of area and okay. everyone is really negative about a lot of stuff. And, you know, when I talk, sometimes talk to you about the law of attraction, they're just like, oh, that's just such woo-woo. Or like, because I'm the same as you, like, I, I don't know about you, but I can't meditate mm. in silence. I meditate to prayer. Um, and when I'm meditating, exactly like you, I'm manifesting, I'm thinking about things. And for me, it's really worked. I really feel like it does work when I'm really asking for true things. And I've kind of been doing it as a kid. Like when I would go to the temple when I was a child, I would ask for certain things and I would always say like, they come true. Like they always come true whenever I ask for them because they they wouldn't be like, oh, I want a PlayStation or I want a new lipstick or whatever. It'd be really important things for me, whether that was a partner or whether that was uh, giving me the strength through a difficult time or, you know, not even something, you know, like as trivial as taking someone away from you. There was a lot of things that I felt like I was manifesting. So I'm a massive believer in that. I like the way that you've built up this resilience of not having to care about what other people think. Because I think that is the biggest blocker when starting a business is that you're so worried about what other people are going to think of you. And it almost stops you from believing in yourself, right? And for putting yourself up to do something which is scary and daunting. What are some of the habits, I guess, or practices other than, you know, the law of attraction, gratitude, that you have every day that have helped you be so resilient? I don't know if there is anything specific that I do that helps me be more resilient. I, I, I tell you what, where it comes from is it comes from making a lot of mistakes. Right. And I've made a lot of a lot of errors uh, in life, not just with business, but in life that have been costly or expensive or painful. 
and you learn very quickly right when when you're going through pain as a result of you know a ramification of of an action um and you need to be you need to make the mistakes to to get better uh some people don't want to push themselves into an area of vulnerable vulnerable i can't use the word to you know in in case in case they're vulnerable or in case they're uh, in, in a position where they feel exposed, almost. Um, you know, it's really important, actually, to to do things that aren't comfortable, to do things that aren't in your comfort zone, and, you know, to allow yourself to make mistakes, but to acknowledge those mistakes and to learn from them is the only way that you can become resilient, mm-hmm. right? In my opinion, because... You know, you can't be resilient against failure, for example, if you don't know what failure feels like. Like you need to know what it feels like for you to then get better at not failing, or to get better at dealing with it. I don't know. What, I don't know what like whatever the outcome. It's it's one of the two, right? Um, and putting yourself out there, exposing yourself, doing things. You know, there's never a good time to start a company. Like there just isn't. And there's always a million reasons as to why you shouldn't, right? Because the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, the higher your liability, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've got mortgages to pay, you may have children to feed, you may have a partner that's relying on you, you uh, might like the security that the big corporate companies offer you. And then the concept of starting your own business and being your own boss is like, hey, I really want to do that. But what you don't realise is, crap, I've got to do two years of, of no, no salary or... Or I've got to do, uh, you know, the, the most common question is, oh, when can I start earning a big salary? Or when can I start withdrawing money from the company? And I'm like, well, one, I can't answer that question for you because, you know, it's subject to how well the business does. <laughs> but the reality is that even if the business is super successful, you should be trying not to pull a lot of money out of it, right? You should be pumping as much of it in back into mm-hmm. the business to make it work. And so, you know... There's always, as I say, reasons to why you should do it. And my advice to anyone um, is not really about so much the resilience, right? It's more about the mindset of accepting failure or accepting that you're going to make mistakes. And that's okay. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to fix it quickly. Um, And then to find a way to evolve. And you've got to want to be a better human. You've got to want to accept that as a human, you don't know it all and that you want to learn. And provided that your mindset is such that you um, are open towards that, you know, I think that the sky is the limit for mm-hmm. anyone. I don't think that you need to be the smartest person on earth. I just, I just think that you need to be, uh, I just think you need to be positive and just go for it. And from your failures and all the things that you've learned, what's the one thing you'd actually share with people who are watching or listening today as to how you get <clears> to build <throat> a successful um, I think... You know, there's a few things I've learned. One which I touched on before, which is around surrounding yourself with really smart people. And I really, really believe in that. Um, I think you need to know your ceiling, right? You need to know, again, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier, is, you know, knowing what your weakness is, right? Because, you know, humility is is important when you're running a business. Uh, I know what I'm not so good at. And I know that I will be filling that void with people uh, that I will employ, right? And if you can't employ, you'll find other people or whatever. It'll, it'll, you know, you can figure it out. Um, 
you know, there are lots of different ways to start a business. One, which is you raise a ton of money through institutional investors, venture capitalists or whoever it may be, um, which is always very exciting, but there can be a lot of pressure. Otherwise, you know, you can start a business slow and organically and build something with more value, more intrinsic value. You know, what do you get more excited about? I don't know. Um, but the fact is, is that uh, if you want to do something, you need to just, you need to go up and do it. You need to like not wait, because as I say, there will always be another reason tomorrow, as there is one today, as there was one yesterday, as to why you shouldn't do it. Um, and, you know, never live in regret, right? You, you need to not look back. At least I don't want to look back in a decade's time and think, oh, well, I could have done that and not have done it. Like, you know, I would rather do it and fail at it and be like, well, I gave that a go. Yeah. Right. Then, then to be like, oh, well, I never did that. I never knew. Right. And that's what I tell yeah. Bambi. That's what I tell anyone that I'm in like that, that I'm trying to help is don't be, don't be scared to fail. Just do your best. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing your best, that's all you can do. I feel like I needed to hear that today. And I'm sure a lot of people will be feeling the same. So thank you. Ah, but you're, you're doing great. No, you don't <laughs> need to worry true. about anything. I think everyone has their own feelings of feeling insecure and that they're not hitting that goal that they feel that they set out for themselves. And I think what you just said is just so great because there's so many worse things than living in regret. And like you said, I have constantly felt like oh I wish I did that I wish I did that and often if you just don't do things now then when right like that's such a cringy saying if not now then when mm. but like it's true like if you don't do it now you're just never going to do it so it's better to just do things when you have the appetite and the passion um and go with it and see what happens and you never know you may end up being a million dollar, com million dollar company like you did with secret sales I'm sure well look at me and look, you know, you've, you've, you've started a podcast, you feel like you've had something that you wanted to mm -hmm. give back to the community, you want to help others by sharing learnings. It's a very beautiful thing that you're doing. And, um, you know, if people can watch this or hear it wherever they are, and they take something away from from you or from I, you know, then at least, even if it's just one small thing, I think that this this conversation has been fruitful. Yeah, I loved it. And I'm really excited to see your website. So it's 7879.co.co. It's the number 7879, 7879, as I say, because the platinum and gold. And I would love to, to have people feedback to me what, what they think. Um, you know, we, are, we would obviously very grateful to anyone that decides to purchase anything. But, you know, even if you just go on there to have a little browse, please do that. Let me know, you know, feedback on Instagram or wherever else. And um, it would be great to hear from you. And you included, Shivani. I want to hear your feedback when you look at it, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to look at it now. And I'm sure it's going to be a great success, like everything you do. And I love, actually, that piece you're wearing. So yeah. I'm going to look at it now. I do. Thank you so much but for today. Thank you for coming along. And I hopefully see you soon. Good to see you. I'll see you soon. Awesome. Ciao.